Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 14 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to go save Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J, and with me as always is my co-host and brother, Dave. Dave, how are you? Pretty well. Great. Glad to hear it. Uh, today we are watching episode 14 called, well, A Wedding. But before we get into that, Dave... Shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Okay, Matt, our first star of the week is something a tiny bit weird. I was looking around for reasons that are so extraordinarily nerdy that I hesitate to go into them, even on a show of this sort. But Dave, you remember that last week I explained something away Using as the more simple example, uh, Cable's techno-organic virus. Okay, Matt. I, I think you can go ahead and just say whatever you want. Okay, Matt. At this point. Let's do this. Let's do this. You want to throw down? Let's, let's make this happen. In my LARP game, Matt. Okay. There are two types of magic, which I may have ex- explained before. There's like regular magic, which is like throwing a fireball at a guy, which is represented by a tiny birdseed packet. There's also Naturally. what we call high magic. Which is like sort of large-ish ritual magic. You need to have like a fake magic circle and like fake magic implements, et cetera, et cetera. With me so far? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so facility. you've got a bag of chalk and baubles and so forth. Yeah, precisely. That That is exactly the sort of thing to which I am referring. So to further facilitate this... You are required to have a uh, scroll, like a piece of paper that has like the name of the high magic spell you're casting for pretend, I will say again, <laughs> as well as like some sort of thing. So I, Matt, because I am a okay. next level nerd, not only, not only have I devised my own system of like symbolism for describing the effects and requisite parts of each one of these spells. I have used that symbolism to create a, like, fake-out magic sigil for every single spell in the game, written notes about those spells, and collected those into a pretend, like, book-o-magic spells. All right, still with you. Okay. (laughs) So, that is the reason that was just almost too nerdy to explain. But anyways, so as I was... I, I at first thought, I was like, ah, oh, you know it would be really neat? Because I'm like a crafty sort of guy, and I like like doing stuff. As I thought that I might uh, try my hand at bookbinding. Sure. Not in like a super intense way, but in a, you know, sort of hobbyist kind of fun way. So I was Yeah, like, there, are, for... uh, there are some places in Cleveland where you can uh, take a workshop, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. I Yeah, I used to work with um, one of the ladies I used to work with, two of them actually, um, they either are like regular attendees or teachers there. They do like book art stuff. It's really cool. Oh, I, no, oh, dude, I, I need give me. The, I want to know about that later. I'm absolutely interested in doing that. But anyway, oh, we'll, we'll we'll handle that off air. But. Yeah. So as I was looking around for stuff, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll just see if I can find like a like an on demand bindery or something. And I found this website, Matt. It's called uh, Blurb. And this is not, like, they have not given us any money. I found it this afternoon, and I was just sort of so enthralled by it that I wanted to talk about it for a minute. Um, It is exactly what it sounds like. It's like an on-demand bindery. But there's two cool things about it. First thing is that they have, like, a proprietary uh, program that they use that you can download for free that uh, will, like, do all of, like, the book setting up stuff for you. Oh, like the typesetting, justifying text, that sort of th- thing? I do. I guess. Book setting up stuff is about as technical as I get in this department. Um, okay. But yeah, they will. it sort of does all of that thing, and it will like it sets it all up for you. And then um, it's cheap, dude. It's like cheap as dirt. Like, like if, cheap how cheap? Um, I set it up. The, the book total, because I included some other stuff in it, was like 122 pages. 
Um, Reasonable. Yeah. So it's like 122 pages. So at 122 pages, and I think it was like a five by eight book on like like softback and like fairly cheap papers. So we're talking like like mass paperback style here, Matt. You know, this is not sure. like high glossy paper. But it was like three fifty of volume. And that's for ten or fewer copies. If I wanted Really? Yeah, dude. If I wanted more than ten, it starts dropping by like twenty, fifteen, twenty cents per volume. Um But yeah, dude, like three fifty. I re- I honestly thought that there was no way that I was gonna get out of this for less than like, say, twenty bucks. That's honestly that's what I would have thought. Now I feel like yeah. I should just try to find things that need to be printed. <laughs> this is my exact same reaction. Like, do I have anything that I'd like to have put down on paper? Um, just, to, just to have them print up a nice box set of like a year's worth of my emails. Yeah, I, I mean, that's maybe the oldest person thing I've ever heard you say. And I mean, even if you wanted to get like they do like high gloss like photo paper stuff, and that is obviously like a lot more expensive. If you want like hardback, it's a lot more expensive. Naturally. But seriously, like three fifty, dude. I just like, yeah. That wasn't even a coherent sentence. I'm so interested in this idea. Well, blow me down. I know. So, um, so I'm gonna do that thing. Let me know how it works out. Yeah, I will absolutely let you know how it works out. So, uh, the second star of the week is okay. So I bought a new mattress, right? Okay. So go with me on this. It's. If you listen to other podcasts, you may Matt. be able to guess what. <laughs> Matt, sorry, what you went with? You went with me on my LARP grimoire. I think I can follow you to a mattress. <laughs> okay, uh, that's that's fair. I think that's fair. I think you can go with me here yeah, for just I a moment. Uh, if you listen to other podcasts, this is a mattress company that advertises on them heavily. I'm not going to bother buzz marketing their product, but whatever. Um, it's one of those mattresses that comes compressed. It's like a foam thing. It comes compressed, and when it shows up, you cut it open, and then it expands, right? Okay, right on. And it has instructions, and part of the instructions say that, like, this is going to look cool. And that's, that's actually, true. that's in the instructions. It, it was, it's not part of the, like, written instructions that are with it, but it is part of the pitch when you look on their website. They're like, this okay. part is like, going to be great. Like it looks You're really going to love it. And they're right. Like, it does look really cool. Here's what they don't tell you. What they don't tell you is what it sounds like. Because what it sounds like is that there's like an ancient beast rising from its tomb and taking its first breath in hundreds of years, (laughs) filling its wasted leathery lungs with the chill air of night. (laughs) Like, it doesn't, like... Now, this, this thing happens... But it does not specifically tell you that you were going to be like looking over your shoulder, expecting to find Conan, <laughs> king of Aquilonia, eyes burning like blue bale fire, like coming to murder this thing. <laughs> it's now I, I'm going to try to mimic this sound, and if you don't like what can only be described as horrible sounds, just skip ahead like five seconds. Okay, go it for it. It sounds sort of like. <laughs> Warning! Like, they don't tell you that the sound's coming. I think they mentioned that there was a sound, like, but they described it more of as a soft groan. <laughs> that is not what I got. I don't know if I got a cursed mattress, but I hope not. I <laughs> dude. Speaking of, um, are, are you? Are we? Is that what you? Is that what you had on the mattress? That's pretty much. It just. It's so. Uh, Okay, dude, let's... It caught me by such surprise that I felt like I needed to share it. Dude, scrap scrap our third star. Let's talk about Conan the Barbarian for a second. To Conan the Barbarian! Oh, dude, Conan is the best. Yes, Conan is amazing. And here's something I love about Conan. First of all, I mean, aside just from the fact that I love Conan, I love that uh, as many people as sort of have tried to improve on Conan after... Uh, the original Robert E. Howard. Thank you. I was about to say Hughes for a moment. I was like, no, that's not right. But anyways, after Robert E. Howard wrote the originals, no one's been able to do it. No, and like people can write good Conan stories. Yeah, like they're fine. I think particularly the, um, a lot of the comic book Conan stuff has been very good. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes like, it's not, but sometimes it's really great. Yeah, but I feel like they the, have a very uh, a real yeah. solid finger on that pulse of the Conan the Conanness of it. Yeah. Uh, but the, but yeah, just man. the novels, they have not, like, nobody doesn't like Howard. Nobody doesn't like Howard. It's so good. It's, guys, if you don't read, if you've never read Conan the Barbarian, like, I think they're all online. If they're not, you can get, like, a compilation of all of the Howard stories, like, really cheap. Do yourself a favor and go read Conan. Yeah, or what I did is um, there is a great audiobook version of the collected Robert E. Howard Conan stories. It's oh, in like no three kidding. volumes. It runs for like 24 hours or something, and it's crazy. Dude. It starts off with the um, just the poem about Samaria. Yeah. Yeah. Hills yeah. beyond hills, or however it goes. But yeah, guys, let's read some Conan. Do yeah. yourselves a favor. Dude. But one great thing about Conan is since it's, you know, it's all like a lot of short stories. It's not like long novels because he wrote them serialized for these magazines, mostly, yeah. I think. I think you're right, yeah. So they're all sort of told out of order of like the his timeline, like his life timeline, right? Um, and he always reintroduces Conan in each one. As though you had never read any of the other ones, which, yes! to be fair, you might not have. Yes! <laughs> he does it. He has, like, five terms that describe Conan. His eyes burn like blue bale fire. Mm-hmm. His thews are like iron, I think. Yep. Yes, definitely uh, he iron thewed. Like, he, he moves like a panther. Yes. Um, they talk about his haircut a lot. Yeah, he's got, like, kind of a like, weird square-cut brow. Like a long bowl cut, kind of. Yeah. It's a, the haircut, it's, I don't It's very it. much like a He-Man cut, I think. Yeah, except less page boy. Sure. And, um, oh, what's the other one? Whatever it is, he has the same, like, five or six things, and in every story, it's like, oh, yeah, here's this guy. He hasn't been introduced yet, but I'll give you a hint. His eyes burn like blue balefire. You're <laughs> never going to guess be? who it is. <laughs> Dude, um, I never read the Conan the Barbarian role-playing game because, not because I don't love Conan, not because I don't love Conan, because I love Conan too much, Matt. Because there's only one way that a Conan the Barbarian role-playing game should go. I may have explained this to you before, but I'll say it again for the benefit of our audience. There's one way that this goes. Ready? Go for you it. You level up. You play your characters. And you level up from like levels 1 to 20, whatever the levels are. You never meet Conan. Ever. You hear about Conan... Like, over the course of your game, right? And then when right. you hit level 20, then you meet Conan. And he either, he has sex with one of you, and then the rest of you die. By Conan's mighty hand. Like, that's the only way that game goes. Or you get attacked by, like, a giant ancient elephant with wings from space. <laughs> and Conan is the only one that survives. <laughs> right. Conan joins your party. You all, Well, still... Okay, I see what you're saying. Maybe you die by something other than Conan's mighty hand. But you all die. But you die. Regardless. Yeah. yeah. There was a... Did you ever play the Conan board game? I did, like, one time, I think. It's great, because it kind of works that way, because Conan is on the board, but he's not a playable character. Oh, that yes, he's just that's a, right. He just yeah, rolls he's a around. Token that just moves across the board, doing his own thing, like, <laughs> so according good. to the schedule of the game. And as soon as Conan finishes all of his tasks, the game is over. And, like, like whoever it. is doing the best wins. And that's it. Like, you can try to, like, influence what Conan does. But, like, Conan's actions are mostly out of your control and entirely, like, set out the course of the actual game. It's a, it's beautiful. I remember the first uh, Conan story I read. And it's just, like... There's a dude on it opens with like a dude on a boat and he is about to like sail somewhere and Conan like rides on a horse like off the docks like being chased by like the entire city guard he jumps off the horse onto this dude's boat like puts a sword to the guy's face and is like cast off immediately and we're going here and the guy's like I don't even know who you are and Conan's like, you will do it, or I will kill you. And the guy's like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. And then they, they just go. 
And that's your introduction to Conan. It's it's so good. That is amazing. That is, if I'm not mistaken, that's the Queen of the Black Coast. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it is. And it actually, uh, it remains my favorite Conan story. Queen of the Black Coast is amazing. Yeah. Okay, so read Conan. Uh, don't be too scared when your mattress sneaks up on you. Um, what is our fourth star of the week? Okay, Matt. Our fourth star of the week is uh, in about a week from when this episode will be airing. I will be flying down to sunny Texas. And when I get there, Matt, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to be eating barbecue. I'm going to eat as much barbecue as I can while I'm there. And I am real excited about it. Like, really I think you're excited. making the right call. Yeah. Have we... We've never discussed my deep and abiding love for barbecue, have we? Well, now, when you say your deep and abiding love for barbecue, are you referring specifically to Texas barbecue? No, no, no. Or, or all stripes of barbecue? No, 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 Matt. Let's... Okay, here's the deal. You know I love Cleveland. Oh, sure. I'm a Clevangelist, as it, as it were. That word sounds loathsome, but I agree with you. Yes. Uh, so, lover of Cleveland that I am, it has many wonderful things to recommend it, but Cleveland does not have good barbecue. There's no, I mean, there might be like, you know, like a guy somewhere who's doing like fine barbecue, but like Cleveland is not like a barbecue town. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. No. I mean, there are, so far as I can recall, there are like uh, four or five main barbecue hubs. Yeah. Yeah. There's your Carolinas with your uh, vinegar based North, North Carolina and your mustard based South Carolina. Mm Mm-hmm. There's your Kansas City barbecue, which is like the thick and tangy sauce. Yep. And then you got your Texas brisket. Yep. Uh, St. Louis. St. Louis, I think, is also like a dry rub, no sauce. Texas is a no okay. sauce barbecue area. Yeah. I'm fine with no sauce. I also like sauce. I actually make a pretty darn good barbecue sauce myself, if I if I may say so. Secret ingredient, Matt? Cardamom. A little bit of cardamom. In a barbecue sauce. Anyways, um, but although Cleveland is not a barbecue town, Matt, I feel like in some way that gives me like a purer appreciation for it. Cleveland, because it doesn't have barbecue of its own, it's like a barbecue neutral town, right? So I can go anywhere. I can enjoy any barbecue. I don't have a dog, uh, you know, in that fight. So I'm like... Dry rub brisket from Texas, totally cool. Ribs with tangy sauce from Kansas City, that also sounds great. Vinegar-based sauce, mustard-based, like it's all good. I just love all barbecue. That's a fair point, although I will say that I would give up my sort of clean neutrality for access to a high-quality version of just one of those barbecues in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely, man. I would I mean... Yes, I would, uh, for access to, like, really good barbecue in Cleveland. But it is some comfort that at least I'm not, like, denied on principle. My own principle, that would be. Like, I'm not denied on principle, like, some other version of barbecue that is also amazing. So, Matt, uh, my love of barbecue and my uh, imminent consumption thereof is our fourth star. What is uh, star number five, man? Well, the fifth star this week is... Uh, it's actually sort of a non-starter. Um, earlier in the day, I had sent out a uh, Twitter request and a Facebook request for the listeners of the show to send in questions because I thought it would be a fun thing if we got enough we could do a, like a listener question segment. But uh, there were two problems with that. One, most of the people who listen to this show don't follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Um, hello to those of you who do. Okay. It's nice to see you or talk to you. Um, you should all follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You should, at Super Sentai Bros. Um, but the other problem is that we are recording this right in the middle of uh, NXT TakeOver. And I feel like the people who are on Twitter, uh, who are who follow us, are busy talking about like the Baron Corbin match. So Got it. Got uh, it. Let's see. Looking at Twitter... Apparently, something is happening with C.J. Parker. It's probably nothing good for C.J. Parker. Whatever. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
if you know if history is any indication so uh all of that to say is that we did not really get any questions so if you do want to ask us a question um and have us address it on the show get it to us before about i don't know when do we normally record the episodes i will say again on twitter usually like thursday friday saturday yeah but sometime in in the next week uh try to get that to us and we will if we get enough of them we'll do a listener question segment on the show maybe as part of the five stars maybe in lieu of them um and i think that would be really fun so let us know if that's something you want to do that would be super cool and we can work it in um that i think is it for the five stars dave so we are going to take a quick break we're going to watch episode 14 well a wedding and we'll be right back okay welcome back so we've just finished watching episode 14 dave why don't you hit us with the recap and then we'll get into the episode proper no problem. As you may or may not recall, this is a cliffhanger. It's the second part of a cliffhanger episode. Last episode, we ended with the Rangers uh, standing over the corpse of a murder or of a robber, rather that Granddad had presumably killed. This episode, we find out maybe things aren't so bad. We rec- find out who that girl in the picture was that Granddad had, and. We get a little piece of new gear, a teaser for the future, and, of course, the uh, Die Rangers defeat Kabuki Boy. Okay, so let's get into it. As you said, uh, the first scene picks up exactly where the last episode left off, where they're standing over the corpse of the robber, right? And the police have just showed up. And there the Rangers are, and they've got this body, (laughs) and the police are standing there, and the Rangers are like, ah... We didn't we, do it? Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> man. No, like, it's, uh, it wasn't us. I know this looks bad, but trust us. We just, I mean, you know, he was dead when we found him. Right. We, uh, we're just here. Not us. And then the police are like, yeah, we know that guy was a robber and we had to shoot him. And they like pull the jacket aside and there's like a bullet wound in the guy's chest. Grizzly, but the Rangers, he was already dead. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's Grizzly in a sort of different way because it turns out that the cops had already killed this guy and then Kabuki Boy was riding his corpse like a horse and just making, yeah, just using him as like a corpse puppet to attack the Dire Rangers. So I don't know if or how Grandpa knew that that had happened. Uh, but it turns out that he is not actually, like, responsible for the death of this guy, which is nice. Yeah, I don't get the sense that he actually knew that that dude was dead. I think he just didn't care. But that does raise a whole new level of questions. So Kabuki Boy can possess corpses. I guess. Yeah, dude, that guy was dead. And Kabuki Boy is like, no problem for Kabuki Boy. Still going to move his body around like a puppet. That's terrifying. I I think that easily makes Kabuki Boy the single most powerful Goma that we've seen so far. Or at least Goma monster, like aside from the commanders. Dude can possess any corpse. He has literally like a limitless army of corpses to throw at people. Well, not limitless, obviously, but like effectively limitless. Sure. But that, as you will find out later in the episode, is not enough to save him. Yeah, no, uh, it's not. from you know explosions. <laughs> so <laughs> sword-based explosions. The the fine only the finest explosions. So Granddad is exonerated. The you know the Dire Rangers are like, oh thank goodness. And Shoji is like flop sweating all over the place. Uh, he's like, oh thank goodness, we didn't kill him. Which is a really suspicious thing to say in front of the police, because the police have just said, yeah, we know, and then you're like, oh, good, we didn't kill him. Which leads me to think, if I were the police, I'd be like, wait, what did you do that you thought you killed him? Like, what exactly right. is like, going Right, like, why was here? this a concern? Like, we shot this guy five minutes ago. Why do you think you killed him? <laughs> right, what? Who, who are you? But they never ask but, those questions. No, they never ask these questions. Leave. Um, so I guess maybe in, maybe, you know, we criticize the Dire Rangers a lot. Maybe 
in comparison to the police department, the Die Rangers are super competent at their job. Yeah, just killing it. Because, yeah, they're, they're, they just leave. We don't yeah, even see they, them leave. We just cut to the scene, and they're all in hanging it, out in murder basement. Because if we think about the police, what they've done is they set, like, 20 dudes against one robber armed with a pistol, um, shoot him to death, somehow lose him, and then when oh, they, they find do say, him in the company of, you know, five teens, do not question... They do say, like, hey, how did the corpse get here? But they don't say, like... Maybe you had something to do with it, and we should ask you a few questions. And the Die Rangers just go along their merry way. Yeah. Uh, they do say they're like, oh, yeah, the body just disappeared. But there's never an explanation beyond that. And the Die no, Rangers just not. are chilling. They're fine. So then they cut scene. So the Die Rangers are just back at Murder Basement, and Granddad's hanging out. And he's finally giving an explanation as to why he wanted them to take Kabuki Boy alive. And what happened was, apparently, um, the Kabuki boy has swallowed this girl who is um, Grandpa's fiance, which they're all surprised to find that he has a fiance, uh, Mm -hmm. particularly Ren. And then Ryu is like, no, you know, it's fine. It's great. Your grandpa found somebody. Like, what? Is she like (laughs) 60? He's like, nope. She is 20 years old. And Shoji is like, that's really creepy. Like, that's messed up, man. And Rin is really upset about it. Rin's like, that is not, that is not cool. Yeah, no, she is horrified. And you see a picture, and um, I am, I am convinced that it is just a dude. Like, I am expecting like a joke here that. Because remember I said last week that uh, kabuki actors are, like, basically all men. I don't know anything about Chinese opera. Like, literally nothing about Chinese opera. But I assume it's, like, maybe the same thing. And that picture definitely looks like a dude in, like, heavy lady makeup. So I am expecting this to all be, like, granddad thought they were in love, but it's actually a dude or something. Which turns out not to be the case. Yeah. It turns out that is just wrong. some really heavy Chinese opera makeup. Yeah, my notes actually just say, it is a dude, guaranteed. <laughs> so I was wrong, though. I was wrong. It was not a dude. Which, I don't know, man. You know, you don't know what uh, what Grandpa's into. Oh, no, wait. We actually do. We do know what he's into, because he's been talking about how he's in love with this girl. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. He is so not being totally ambiguous about that. So he says, Kabuki boy, like, swallowed her, brought her here. That's why I'm chasing her. That's why we have to capture her alive. So we cut away from the murder basement, and now we are in, you guessed it, a warehouse. And yep. uh, the people in the warehouse are the three main Goma commanders and Kabuki Boy. And they have also found out that Kabuki Boy has eaten, or swallowed rather, this girl. And they are very angry about it, because this is what has pulled Grandpa out of hiding, and it's causing a bunch of problems for them. Because Granddad is, uh, he's pretty tough. Like, he's a big deal. He's not to be trifled with. So they would have preferred, I guess, that he stay in China. Oh, Matt, there was one other thing. Uh, before we get to the warehouse, we do see the Goma orbs. Like, they're floaty murder orbs that we still have zero explanation for that are literally in, like, every episode. Mm-hmm. They're there again. Yeah, you know, I, no at this point, I just sort of look past them. Well, okay, I am mentioning it because I actually have a theory. I'll explain it later on in the episode. Okay. So, they're yelling at him, and they want him to spit her out, which he refuses to do because he wants to keep her forever because he's in love with her or something. That's a really weird... That's a weird reaction to being like, I love someone, so I swallowed them, and I'm never letting them go. And so... uh Zydos, I think it is. Yeah, Zydos attacks him and is zapping him with red lasers. And then Shanam gets the bright idea and says, wait, 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 hold on. You really like this girl. So what I want you to do then is go kill Grandpa and then you can have the girl. She's yours. So basically... Problem solved. Yeah, in in Shanam's mind, he's like, this is all Kabuki Boy's problem. So I'm just going to throw him at Grandpa and either he will be punished for his indiscretions or... He'll take care of the problem. Everything's cool. Right. So they leave, and Kabuki Boy spits out the girl. 
Yep. Now, she's not wearing her makeup, and she's very clearly just, you know, like a young 20-year-old Chinese lady. Um, yeah, very pretty. Dressed up in some sort of costume, which I imagine is from uh, the opera. And yeah. she is wearing at her waist, like, a super obvious prop. <laughs> like, really clearly a prop sword. Like, it is in the exact same style as all of the rest of the Die Ranger weapons. It's just clearly a Die Ranger weapon. It is like a white scimitar. Dave, actually, do you recognize this sword? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I totally do. Okay, yeah. This is, if you watched Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, this is the White Ranger's sword. Like, his white saber with, like, the tiger head on the pommel. Like, that is what yeah. this is. It's it's actually pretty neat looking. Oh, it's great. Um, I've always loved that yeah. thing. And so, this actually threw me off. I did not realize that, I mean, obviously, it's going to be the White Ranger, but the White Ranger, you know, like for us in America, the White Ranger was in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which was like our equivalent to Zoo Ranger. And so I was not expecting, like, the White Ranger to show up in Die Ranger. Like, they're crossing the streams, man. Oh, they're absolutely crossing the streams. I, I thought I had explained all this on a previous episode, but um, in case you or our listener forgot, basically... Um, clearly have. They kept the costumes from the first year of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers for another year. At least one other year. I forget exactly. It's been a while since I've watched it all. Um, I, I guess probably just for continuity because it was popular and they didn't want to change things up already. And so they kept those costumes and they commissioned a bunch of other episodes with Rita Repulsa and Goldar and you know that okay. whole team I gotcha. that didn't actually have any out of the suit stuff. It was all just suit fights and monster stuff, and Rita having a headache and Goldar flying around and that sort of thing, which was Got never it. released in Japan. It was only ever used as fodder for the second season. But in the second season, there wasn't more stuff for the Green Ranger to do because, of course, in Zhu Ranger, like there's a well, maybe not, of course, but. Uh, as you know from the first season of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, uh, Tommy, as the Green Ranger, had lost his powers. So to bring him right. back, instead of just bringing him back as the Green Ranger again, because they'd sort of gone back and forth on that a few times, they took the White Ranger's outfit from Die Ranger and just used that. Got it. Okay. So it's all making sense now. So that... Um, and all of his things all come from Die Rangers, so like his sword, his tiger robot, his outfit. Got it. The, okay. The okay, character right himself, like the person who will become the White Ranger or the, the Kiba Ranger in uh-huh. the Die Ranger, is totally different. Like it, the character is nothing oh, like yeah, Tommy. No, I'm sure. But it's just all the, the trappings. Exactly. Yeah, no, I got you. Okay. Um, so, so this uh, is where we start to see that sort of thing introduced. It is the nice. first rumblings of the sixth ranger. Yeah, it's not a. It's not like a subtle piece of foreshadowing. Like it's really obviously a die ranger sword, but whatever. And there's a couple of lingering shots on it. <laughs> yeah, they are really. I would okay. Again, this is a show for babies, right? So, <laughs> so the scene cuts. We are in a park with Rin and Granddad. And Granddad's just sort of sitting there, and Rin is kind of stomping around, clearly upset. But then she calms down, and she's like, well, I guess it's okay that you're marrying, like, a child bride. Because it leaves me free to focus on Japan. Yeah, you can go back to China, and then, you know, you can sort of take care of each other, and I can stay here and punch monsters in the face until they explode. It's just, like, a really weird justification. Like, yeah, no, it's no problem that you are marrying somebody who is, like, a fraction of your own age, because I gotta punch monsters. So, that's cool. She can take care of you. It's just... Ugh, well, to be fair, she also has to go to class. To be fair. To be fair, she does also have to go to class. <laughs> But Granddad says, so, he's like, hey, listen, I got you with, is this what it is? He like he gives her, a, he says it's a present or something like that, right? Yeah, and then he pulls out the uh, Dairin Ken, which is that like flying blade chakra thing that we talked about yeah. in the last episode. And he says, here, you can have this. And she's like, oh, Dairin Ken? Like she's super impressed as though she had not seen it for the first time, like literally a couple hours ago. 
It is like yeah, like the the only other time she's seen this, and it has been used to chop vegetables. So I don't know why she's super excited to be giving it. To... <laughs> no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm just laughing because it's funny. So, um, so she's like, "Oh, this is great," and he's like, "Okay, now I'll teach you how to use it." Oh wait, hold up, hold and up. The way Matt. that he does this. Wait, there is one other yeah. thing. She's like, "Tyron, Ken, thank you so much." And Granite's like, eh, "It's no big deal. I got a bunch of them." <laughs> like it's not even a good present. So he, says, he just has them lying around, party favors, really. Right, but uh, but he does say, uh, "I'm going to teach you how to use it." Like, let me, sh- you know, come on, let me show you how to use this thing. And then he just hands it to her. They walk sort of, you know, a fair distance away from each other in the park, and then she just starts using it with no instruction, as though she has been training in it for years. Yeah, she just goes nuts. She's like whipping it around. It's like flying, literally flying circles around Granddad. She does like a key move with it. She's like flipping backwards and like throwing it at the same time. Like she pretty much knows how to use it. Like it doesn't seem as though she requires a whole yeah. lot of training. And then Granddad is like, "Okay, cool. It looks like you've got it. <laughs> like training complete." He doesn't, even, he doesn't even. He doesn't even say like it looks like you've got. It. He's like, eh, "Pretty good. Not bad. All right, cool." So they're doing this, and they get interrupted by uh, Kabuki Boy shows up. Not right there, but sort of in eye shot of them right. uh, on a bridge, and he shoots an arrow at Grandpa. Grandpa dodges, but the arrow has a message written on it, and the message is a challenge for duel. And he's like, oh, Kabuki Boy, challenge me to a duel. He's like, all right, I'll play your game, Kabuki Boy. So he chases him back to a second location, which is it's the know, warehouse. It's one the of wa- our three locations. Yeah, well, it's, it's the same the warehouse. warehouse. It's the one we saw earlier. Um, where the girl, the 20-year-old girl, has been put in a cage, like a cartoon cage. <laughs> right. Like, not, not like a prison cell, just like a freestanding cage. Like, one you would find in the middle of a room in... Oh, you know what? It's like in Skyrim. Yeah. Like, if you're going okay. through, a, like, a keep in Skyrim... Yeah, just, like, ridiculous And you just pictures. come across a room that's full of, like, cages that have skeletons in them. It looks like one of those. Yeah. Uh, oh, there is one... There's one little bit, Matt, that we missed. And uh, what it is is that the oh, rangers... Yeah? We see the rangers, then like, walking through the street... And there's just like a giant like Times Square sort of like um, like a a video screen, and you see a news yeah, reporter. The Titan yeah, exactly. And you see a news reporter, and she is saying that there has been serial kidnappings of a whole bunch of martial arts masters. And the, the Rangers look at her like, "Ah, huh. oh, that's huh. weird." Yeah. Oh well. No more thought. They're just like, "Huh, oh, that's, that's strange." And so then we do. We grandpa. cut back to the uh, to the warehouse. Grandpa approaches the cage. Um, <laughs> so good. The cage immediately. The, the cage itself doesn't, but the ground around the cage explodes into a ring of fire. I call that Johnny Cashing, Matt. Okay. It's, I mean, it really. It seriously looks like a video game. Like there is now a ring of fire around this thing, and he cannot approach it until he finds the right lever to turn the fire off. <laughs> So Kabuki Boy, he's like, all right, Grandpa, let's do this. And so uh, they fight for a minute. Like, fight, fight, fight. It's not, like, super duper impressive. But then, then we see the true genius of Kabuki Boy's plan. Yeah, again, Kabuki Boy has actually, like, put thought into his plan. Yeah, Kabuki Boy, again, absolutely the smartest of the Goma. Oh, lo and behold. I know this is a huge surprise, guys. It was, in fact, Kabuki Boy who was kidnapping all the martial arts masters. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, that would have been a really weird tangent. (laughs) And so what he's done is he's, like, stashed these martial arts masters around the warehouse. And he just, like, possesses them in turn to fight Grandad. At first, he jumps into the boxer and, like, he fights the boxer for a bit. Uh, and then, like, you know, Granddad gets the better of the boxer, and he knocks Kabuki Boy out. Kabuki Boy runs away, and he finds, like, the karate guy. He hops inside the karate guy, and they fight for a while. And what I love about this, Dave, is that it is finally answering the question that we've had the entire series, mm-hmm. which is, what on earth is being kept in all of these warehouses? <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> the city's just full of empty warehouses, but right. now we know. Now we know that... These warehouses are just full of kidnapping victims and goma traps. 
So like this, I think it. is probably what they're doing. Be. Where else are they putting? Yeah, them? this is what they're doing when they're not sending monsters to go fight the Die Rangers. Because you know the Die Rangers, they'll go a couple of days without running into a coma. Yeah, right. And during that time, you know they're scouting out real estate. They're getting, they're acquiring new warehouses. They're setting up traps. People. <laughs> um, so so he fights a boxer. You know that's he does the boxer, and then it's a uh, a karate karate master, karate master, uh, and Granddad beats him. I'm sure Bruce Lee and would be happy. And then it's a um, what's the next one? Oh, the next one is the it's one with samurai. the sword. Yeah, it's yeah. like a uh, kendo kendo guy. I would imagine. And so he fights him for a while. Oh, with a uh, with like an expanding pipe. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah handsome He's been fighting using his pipe, and now his pipe sort of extends to the length of about the sword, and he's fighting with that. And that's actually, it's a cool moment. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, uh, Handsome Monkey King style. Like his uh, expanding staff, got an expanding pipe. So they fight. He beats the samurai guy. <laughs> and then... Kabuki Boy's like, oh no, I'm not done yet. Bet you did not see this coming. Dives over some boxes. <laughs> and then, okay, and then there's this great scene where we we just, we're looking at the boxes, and the boxes are lit from behind. And then the boxes all sort of fly out, and we see a silhouette, and it closes in. Obviously, it's like a silhouette wearing that same kabuki like the big uh, white wig kabuki that wig. everyone's been wearing. And it's <laughs> it's like a it's battle not a boxer. <laughs> it's a robot. It's like war machine. It's like a weird robot covered in laser guns. <laughs> He's and got like a rocket launcher on his shoulder, and like a gun in on on a hand, and like a laser beam eye. With the kabuki, he's still he's got like, the kabuki wig, though. Oh, yeah. He's like, I bet you never suspected that I had a robot. <laughs> Granddad's like, no, I did not. Like, you can, he doesn't say it, but you can see in Granddad's face, he was not expecting, like, an experimental Japanese warbot. So he's doing this pose, and he goes to do, like, the little kabuki dance that he always does whenever he's just taking somebody over. But like it's a it's a battle robot. It's not a karate master, and so it's a he little prepared. more cumbersome. And the robot just face plants, falls over, and he's just like, "Oh, oh, this robot's really heavy." All right, forget this. Oh, just okay. Hold on. Let me so get back he, up. So and he then, stands up, and then it, yeah, he doesn't even try to like. Like karate fight him at this point. He just stands still and shoots like a million lasers at him. Just eye lasers. <laughs> like and, uh, eye lasers, hand lasers, shoulder lasers, right. like anywhere that you can put a laser, that guy is lasering. And then we cut away real quickly. And remember, man, I said I was going to talk about murder orbs. Here's where it is. Yeah. We see, this is so amazing. So we see the, just a sedan. Okay, a sedan, and it, like, pulls up to the side of the road, and then we see inside the sedan, and it's, like, the three commanders. Yeah, and, and like, they don't even have a Cotopotero chauffeur. Like, like, Zydos is driving. (laughs) It's not, like, souped up. It's not even black. It's just, like, a tan sedan. And they're just sitting there. It's black on the outside. It has a tan interior. Is it? I thought it was just brown on the outside. Whatever it is, it Whatever is not it a is. Cool the point car. is, man, this is not like a super cool, like Goma style, like tricked out, like you know, murder car. It's like a, it's like a, just a sedan. It's just a car. They're just hanging out in this car, uh, but there is a television screen in the back, and we are yeah, it's seeing... like inside their suitcase that they're carrying around. Yeah, but but Matt, here's the key. Also inside the suitcase are a bunch of those orbs. And remember from the very first episode, we said we have no frame of reference on these orbs to see how large they are, right? But we see these orbs, and they are in the suitcase. I think they're supposed to be like remote viewing orbs, that there's like cameras in them or something, and that when we see the orbs floating around, it's because the Goma are watching something. That could be true, 
But it could also be that that is just a suitcase full of enlarging bombs because they kind of look the same. Oh, that's a good point. They could be. I took. I don't know the where key. they would be going that they would possibly need that many enlarging bombs. See, I figured they were videos because they're in the same suitcase as the TV. Right. Could be. I could I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to bother to go back and watch this. Okay. So, anyways, and they see. So they see, and they're just like, ah. Looks like it's going fairly That's well. That's not going well. No, they say it's not going well? I thought they said it was going well, because it's like lasers, man. Oh, no. If if you think that they're going well, then you you missed a moment, because before it cuts to them, uh, the Die Rangers show up and Rin hits the robot with the uh, flying disc. Oh, yeah. That's right. My bad. My bad. That totally happened. And she does. I mean, like, again... Demonstrating that Rin needed absolutely no training on the Diren can. Diren can. She not only does she throw it, she like throws a little chi English on there. Oh yeah, it's glowing. And so the Goma are like, oh, this is no good. And then they they just teleport in, right? We like we jump back to the warehouse and the Goma just show up. Or the Goma commanders, right? I forget if they teleport or if they just drive the rest of the way, but in any case, they get there. <laughs> I really hope they just drive the rest of the way. Ignore that stop sign. We got to get there. So um, I just want to see the Goma commanders driving around and have the police try to pull them over. <laughs> that would be glorious. <laughs> uh, okay, so back at the warehouse. Um, Goma commanders. Rin... Are, so everybody's there. Gang's all there. Yeah. It's Granddad, his fiance, Kabuki Boy, the Rangers, and the three Goma commanders. Uh, the three Goma commanders show up. Um, oh, you know what? They did drive because there's another minute where Rin uses the Dairin can to free the girl. The robot gets back up and Rin basically just takes it apart. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then the three Goma commanders show up. And while the Die Rangers have been distracted by Rin killing the robot, the three commanders have been going after the girl because they see that the girl has the White Ranger sword. Right. And they, and they desperately want that White Ranger sword. Yeah, they want it so bad. So they try to get over, and they're, like, harassing Granddad and the girl to give them the sword. And Rin is like, oh, guys, that's my Granddad. we got to help. Use uh, the Kiryoku bomber. And they're like, all right, cool. And so they Kiryoku bomber. They shoot it at the three Goma commanders. The three Goma commanders sort of, like, put their hands together and block the thing. And then for reasons that are completely unexplained, they turn into metal. Well, I think we've seen this before. I mean, it's been a while, so I I can't say for certain. But in an earlier episode, we see something like this. And this, I believe, is their like monster form. Oh. I or totally one version of their that. monster forms. I, think, I don't think we've seen all of them do it before, but I know we've seen Shadam do it before. Okay, right on. Did not remember that at all. And so that is sort of them, like, hulking up. Got that is it. their, like, the henshin change. Okay. So uh, they proceed to just... They just throw the Kiryoku bomber back at them. Yeah. And then it does not go well for the Rangers from then on. They just, like, you know... The, the Goma yeah, commanders are wrecking shot. It's a big spot fast. Like, it's, a, it's all... Just special moves and weapons, and they're going back and forth, and the rangers aren't doing well. Um, so it is super convenient that they all just got brand new weapons. <laughs> right. So um, Rin pulls out the Dairin can. Right. And then the rest of the rangers pull out a Dairin can. And my notes just say, well, sorry, Rin then says, where did you guys get those? And my notes say, thank you, Rin, for asking that question. Because it's a very good one, and it's one that is not addressed nearly as often as it ought to be in this show. Yeah, and the only explanation that Ryu gives is like, what, do you think that you were the only one who got one of these things? (laughs) Further further devaluing Granddad's gift to Rin. (laughs) Like, didn't even give it to just her. Not only did he have a bunch, he gave one to everybody else also. And then tried to pass it off as a special gift later on. Yeah, granddad. He is a, he is a negligent family member. <laughs> so, uh, and so now it is time for them to do their sort of like 
level two finishing move. So yeah. level one was the Kiryoku Bomber. Now they have, and I didn't even write down what it's called, but it's basically the Kiryoku Bomber, except instead of throwing pure chi, they infuse their chi into these chakra things. It and is they the throw uh, those all at once. It is the Dairin Ken shot, Matt. Ah, thank you. Yeah, and then they just launch them. The Goma commanders manage to sort of like dodge out of the way, but then they do teleport away. And we see uh, Kabuki Boy, and he's got them all lodged in his face. Which, yeah, is it's giant. like a his face cushion. But he does say, it's a real quick line, but I loved it. He's like, oh, no time to be impressed. Gotta keep fighting. <laughs> it just, it's so great that the Goma. Ah, oh, dude, I just want the Goma all to have like posters of the Die Rangers like up in their room, like oh, Die Rangers, and like in so their lockers, cool. right? They're just like there's all like super giant fanboys of the right Die Rangers. So when they get to fight, they're like, oh, "I'm going to the show. <laughs> what? I'm going to meet these guys?" And then they're always like in their heart, maybe they want to betray the Goma and be friends with the Die Rangers, and they just can't do it. But he does. He's like, oh, man, no time to be impressed. So he sort of, like, launches. I'm not sure what he does, but he gets the... No, what he does is he, like, the the Dairon Ken shot hits him. And he doesn't have a chance to actually throw the enlarging bomb. It just <laughs> sort right. of collapses. And, and it's it in his out. hand. And as he collapses, <laughs> it falls out of his hand. And then it revives him. So he's like, ah, let's do this. And they're like, oh, okay, right on. And so they... They, like, grab, you know, they, they summon Dyrano. And the Kabuki boy tries to pull out some weird thing like, oh, it's no secret among the Goma that I have this special power. Oh, yeah. And then he just it's, does, like, a thing where he sticks his tongue out and it's really long and it wraps them up. Yeah, but it's and you think it's going to be a big deal. Because, like, they have a big magic sword and they just cut his tongue in half. Yeah, you think it's going to be a big deal and it's not. It adds maybe five seconds to this fight. Yeah, so he cuts the tongue in half, and then they do the special move, and they cut Kabuki Kid in half, and that's it. Like, his main power sucks, and now he's dead, because he sucks. <laughs> end um, of scene. End explosion of scene. as Dairano turns around. End of scene, and Kabuki Boy. So the next scene we see, Matt, is Granddad and fiance's name that I don't remember, and they're, like, walking around like a little park thing. And, it's like a little uh, shrine there. Yeah. Actually, it probably is a shrine, which makes what Granddad is about to do weird and also really disrespectful. Because what he does is he takes the sword away from the fiancé, and he's like, ah, I probably shouldn't have given this to you. It puts you in danger. I'm just going to leave it here. And then he, like, straight up Merlins this sword into a rock. Yeah. Like, no joke, like, 100%, that is what he does. He takes the sword, he puts it in the stone, he says, hey, try to pull that out, and she can't, and he says, and he yeah, says, no, there's somebody who can pull it out, and he'll come someday, and he will be our once-in-future sixth ranger. <laughs> right. But if that is, in fact, a shrine that they're at, like, he just rolled up and, like, defaced the shrine, basically permanently, because until the sixth ranger shows up. Right? Yeah, now they've just got this hilt hanging out. Right. Uh, so, not cool, Granddad. Which, and I mean, we know is going to happen in, like, a couple episodes, but... Oh, I he doesn't know it was going to happen next episode, but... Yeah, he doesn't know that. He says he doesn't even know who it is. He's like, somewhere out there is a guy, maybe. I'm sure he's out there, right? And then they just leave. That's it. Yeah, probably. We're out. And that's it. And by the way, I just want to say that up until this point, I thought there was going to be... Because it's been a while since I've seen these episodes. I really thought that there was going to be a twist where this 20-year-old girl was not actually in love with this old, old man. And that maybe she was isn't. going to be a ranger no, or a no, monster No, no, I didn't think she was going to be the ranger or anything or a monster. I just thought that there was going to be a misunderstanding. And she was yeah. going to be like, oh, no, no, no. Not, I, I don't like you like that, but she does. She absolutely does. They leave, they go back to China, and they get married. Yeah. In this episode, the last like, scene well, there's we another see. scene before this, but the last scene of the episode is them driving down the highway in like a just-married, decorated car. <laughs> right. So, yeah, there is no twist. She just, she's just into this old man. Which, yeah. I mean, you know, whatever, man. Good for... Good for Chinese Michael Douglas, I guess. 
I guess. So, but before that, we go back to Murder Basement for one last scene. Rin is upset that the grandpa has left town without telling her. <laughs> and then Kaku gives her the least comforting comfort of all time and basically says... Which is, okay, like, again, this is Kaku we're talking about, so unsurprising. Right. Bad people skills. He's got to get, like, an HR person in there dude, to dude, handle this something. sort of thing. Because what yeah, he says like the worst is basically... Advice. Yeah, like, you should be really grateful that your grandfather abandoned you again, because he, I'm sure, was just unbearably embarrassing. <laughs> and Rin, but Rin is just like, yeah, a little bit. Like, but I guess I'm what? glad he's happy. You're right. And she puts this big smile on her face like, okay, that's a great point, I guess. You know, man, that smile is on her face, but it's not in her eyes. No. So, that is the end. Uh, we have one more cut back to the Sword in the Stone that says, you know, there's going to be another Sixth dude. Ranger. So, be excited for that. Mystery. The end. So, that's and it. And that is episode 14. So, Dave, what were your high points of the episode? Okay. Uh, high points? Uh, my high point was Kabuki Boy's forethought in kidnapping a whole bunch of martial arts masters to fight Granddad. And also an experimental Japanese murder bot. Yeah, I don't even know where he found that thing. You'd think that that would have been the thing on the news. Not like, prominent boxer goes missing. <laughs> like, no, like weird military-grade laser robot goes missing. Dude, the government, the government can't admit to having that. That's the problem. Let's be real. The Japanese government probably does have a laser murder bot. They can't admit yeah, that. But- yeah, dude, but that's they have our it. world. In Die Ranger, there is like a 20-foot-tall robot with a glowing sword that shows up in that town at least once a week. The fact that the government has like a man-sized robot with lasers on its forehead like should not be that big of a deal, <laughs> but it should make the news. Right. Like if it, maybe if it was like a prototype. rogue agent steals it. Maybe they were, uh, you know, maybe it was a prototype and they were waiting until it was like, you know, perfected or whatever. So, but that's my hype. In point. any case, that this is actually this is a Goma with some forethought. I thought that was a great twist for once. I uh, my high point is that I always really like it when there's a fight between all the Rangers and the three Goma commanders. Yeah, uh, that they was sort of cool, tend to, man. They always pull out all the stops. That's when they sort of do their new cool stuff, and it's always fun to see a group of enemies that the Die Rangers can't just beat pretty easily. So that's fun. I always yeah. like that. It's it's always a nice moment. So, Matt, those are our high points. Uh, Low points? Okay, Dave, here's my low point. Now, you know that Shoji is very often my high point? Yes. And he didn't have a lot to do in this episode, but he is my low point. Because here is what he does at the very end of the episode, right? Okay. This is the last thing we hear Shoji say. When they're talking about the fact that Grandpa has gone, he turns to the other guys and says, like, you know, he's like a weird pervert. But he's kind of cool. <laughs> it's like, Shoji. Like, that is... Like, come on, man. That's yeah, not that a is cool not... thing. Shoji. That is, this Listen, is not man, a man that you should be emulating. We have already established that Shoji does not exactly know how to deal with ladies. So, you know, he's he's doing what he can, man. He's trying. He's trying. I don't know. I, I, Actually, I guess... He, he might be doing what he's can, but it's but it's not enough. That actually sort of ties into my low point, which is creepy granddad, and the fact that that was not a uh, it was not a twist, that was not like a secret surprise. It was just straight up like an eighty year old man marrying like a twenty year old lady. It's yeah, just not thanks, thanks, Die Ranger. Thanks yeah. for thanks for keeping it classy. Thanks for making it weird. Just. I don't, I don't even know where to go with that, man. Just weird. I don't know. It's it's just upsetting. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, man. That's what I got for episode 14. Yeah, I think that is going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die Ranger. Uh, before we finish up here, I want to remind you, you can email the show at supersentibrothers.com. And if you want to get updates on future episodes or talk to us, we are on Twitter at Bros. 
If you like the show, please remember that Shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. I've seen some more of that stuff showing up in the last couple of weeks. Thank you very much to everybody who's done that. Um, If you haven't, please do. It only takes a second, and it really does help other people find the show. Thank you for listening to the Super Sentai Brothers. We are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week.